Welcome to Icetown Clowns, a podcast reviewing every episode of NBC's Parks and Recreation. I'm Katie. I am Jacob. I'm freezing cold and it's the middle of April. What the hell is going on? Yeah, yeah, tell me about it out on your coastal weather. I mean, you don't even have anything to say. It's pretty cold here in Fly 2 country as well. It was 85 yesterday and Mm -hmm. this, this just feels mean. Oh, yeah, tell me about how awful it must be to have a cold day now and then. It's going to be cold for like a week. It is. Oh, God. Oh, man. It must be so hard. Uh, So this week, we're reviewing Season 3, Episode 15, The Bubble. This is the second to last episode of Season 3. It originally aired May 19th of 2011. It was directed by Matt Sohn, or Soan. I don't know. And written by Greg Levine and Brian Rowe. I guess, like, with men, they need to help each other out. We need two people to write it. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> and in summary, Leslie's mom makes a pass at Ben, not knowing he and Leslie are dating. Meanwhile, Chris makes radical changes in the office, and nobody is happy with them. So what's the title of this episode referring to? The bubble I- that Leslie and Ben are in at the beginning of a relationship. Leslie yeah. makes reference to that multiple times in the yeah. episode. Okay. Yeah. That that and it's the reason that she doesn't want to have to deal with like any real actual repercussions of their relationship is she likes the happy bubble. Well, let's be honest, nobody ever wants to deal with repercussions of anything. Right. Right. Fair enough. Um so this is also this only happens in this first scene, but it's Anne's uh First day at work as an official government employee of Pawnee. Sure. <laughs> and they fill her office with balloons, which I find really stressful. Yeah, that's terrible. When Tom jumps out of the pile of balloons, <laughs> it's the most terrifying Tom Haverford you've ever seen. Right. Because so also, there, so there were seven people in there. We saw five of them. That means there were two <laughs> additional people in that Just room we never met. Also, like. Under what authority could Leslie just come in and put a bunch of balloons in this guy's office? Right. Like, he doesn't work for her. Right. Unless this nursing thing is somehow under the parks department, I don't think that she gets to, like, come in and declare this a office that will be filled with balloons no matter what the actual office person thinks. Yeah. No, definitely not. And I, the idea balloons stress me out because... They might <laughs> pop. And people are always trying to give my toddler a balloon, which is just horrifying because you know he's going to pop it. So then you, I just sit there tense until he pops it, usually in the car while I'm driving. So the idea of a room full of these is just, it's not fun. It's not celebratory. Also, he's either going to pop it or it's going to escape. Also, right. the... Uh... The sound that balloons make as you rub your hand or skin against them or yeah. they rub against each other is so unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like it. Yeah, because you're a monster. <laughs> but I have to say, Andy's takes some big steps in this episode. He does. Um, he, he knows what a gas is, right? Yeah. That's impressive. School. From school. <laughs> yeah. That's Which, a great line. I don't... He's not in right now, so I guess... We're supposed to assume he learned that in high school and retained it. 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Great Indiana public schools. All right. Uh, so Ben and Leslie are definitely together now, but hiding it. And Leslie is enjoying this beginning bubble, like we talked about. White wine cuddling and crazy amounts of History Channel documentaries. Right. So they're scheduling makeout sessions. Yes. Um, certainly they've progressed beyond that at this point. <laughs> well, how much time has really passed? I don't know. A couple days at least. <laughs> Oh, right. We've had this conversation. Um, Yeah, sure. It's possible they're still just making out, Kirk. They're 30-something straight people. They might just be making out. Yep. (laughs) Come on, people. You don't have a lot of time left on the biological clock. (laughs) Move quickly. (laughs) I'm just deafening silence. Uh, uh, I do want to. I do want to talk about Ben uh, or Leslie telling Ben that her mom isn't her mom because it felt for a minute here like we were headed to a very annoying sitcom trope where they were going to like play this out for the whole episode, and it is probably my least favorite thing that sitcoms do, other than like the will they won't they often is the stupid lies that characters tell each other for no reason other than to create tension in the plot. I'm glad that we resolved this pretty quickly. You don't like stories that can be resolved if one person just shares one small piece of information with another person? Yeah, I don't like Othello. Then exactly. I would say... Deep cut! In general, that was a deep cut. Though you are the Iago of this podcast, <laughs> Wow, our our references got a little, little different than they normally are. I was going to stick within our realm and say, never watch the series of Friends, because that's pretty much 90% of their plot devices. They were on a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't really like Friends. I mean, that's fair. It's I, I'm not going to defend it. I like it because I grew up watching it, and in college we watched the DVDs, like, on repeat, and so there's something very comforting about it to me, but I am not going to defend it as a show. Like, it, it is not... It has a lot of problems. When I was in college, we watched the episodes as they aired. Aww. <laughs> I did, too, in high school. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Um... And quickly... Like, stops that plot from going off in that direction, though, when she explains effectively to Leslie how the sitcom plot would play out. Yeah. Right. And, right. You know, and then Leslie demands that Stuart give them just 45 minutes to talk. Yeah. I, my note is poor Stuart. Like, he has a major HR complaint that he's, is pretty he's valid. He's the Jerry of this office. In a matter of days, he has a major HR complaint. Yeah. Uh,. uh does this scene pass the Bechdel test, or is it too much about Ben? Because it's only totally about Ben. Yeah, yeah it's, then, it's only about Ben. Yeah, then then we don't pass this episode. Yeah, I don't think we did. This episode is all about relationships. I mean, I guess there's the whole office plot, but it's the whole second half of the plot. Yeah, but there's never just two women talking to each other because you know. Hence the point of the Bechdel test. Yep. So when we cut to the scene with Chris and the Parks and Rec team yeah. in the office, I got really excited momentarily 
Who's like rubbing something? That's me. Sorry. <laughs> a balloon. <laughs> no, I, anyway, I'm wearing we these pants the... that have these like fun ridges on them, and it's very tactile, and so it's really, it's like a involuntary thing. I will try not to do it anymore. <laughs> Katie spends too much time with her toddler. <laughs> when they cut to the scene with Chris and the Parks and Rec crew in the office for the meeting, I got really excited because I thought this might be the episode with Jerry and the blue and purple folders. Oh, yeah. but, but it's, it's not. not. It's not. Instead, Although they we... make Jerry the head of public relations. <laughs> right. So they had to replace Anne, right? Okay. I was say, now Anne doesn't have to do it, you guys. Okay, I need to get into the fact that they have daily briefings. <laughs> I feel like these people have only watched The West Wing, and that's where all their knowledge of government comes from. At no level of government other than the White House do you have daily briefings from a press secretary. I mean, I bet if you're, like, the governor of California, you do. But these weren't press briefings. These were internal office briefings about the state of things. Then why is the communications director doing it? I don't know, but when we see the scene later in the episode when Jerry is doing that job, he is basically just describing things to people in the office, so. Yeah, I, I don't think they understand how... Either what a communications director does or uh, how the press works and that the press is not people who work in the office. There's some major uh, misunderstanding here. Definitely. Even if this was an internal office meeting, though, does the Parks Department have like a structured meeting every single morning with the entire staff? Because we don't even do that in my office. Very much a waste of time. We've tried. It doesn't work. And I get bored and I stop doing it. We have, like, a 15-minute conference call. Yeah, whatever. We definitely don't do anything like this, ever. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) But, so, Jerry's going to be doing the public relations. Right. April has now been moved from being Ron's assistant to the entire staff assistant. Right. So, that's a great idea. And Tom gets to digitize city archives on the fourth floor. With Andy as his admin assistant. And apparently the fourth floor is Hamsterdam from the wire. <laughs> yeah, well, the fourth floor we've seen before. So Have we? Yeah, yeah Leslie goes up there. That's where she sees Tom getting a divorce, remember? Oh, yeah. that's, right. that's right. So then Andy is assigned by Chris to work with Tom <laughs> right. on the floor. I'm so, glad we're, we've gotten to this. because yeah. I <laughs> Is Andy's notes. job a city job? Like, was the city paying someone to be a shoeshiner during a government shutdown? Like, they closed everything in the city, but they kept this shoeshiner on? It was my impression that, like, some company had rented space in City right. Hall to run a shoeshine stand, and Andy worked for that company. So yeah. Chris can't just come and reassign him to another job in the for City Hall. And then say, two weeks later, back to shoes. Like, that doesn't yes. make right. any sense. Right. Yeah. Why was also- he even in the meeting? To begin with, like to why be assigned, come in? clearly shoe shining falls under the parks department because that's the only budget in the city that wasn't gutted, and thus the city paid shoe shiner is uh, still employed. So do we? Do we? Do, how do we think Andy gets paid? We've seen him get a lot of tips. Do we think it's like a, a like a food service thing where he gets like a very base minimum minimum wage, and then most of his money comes from tips? That's I would assume that's how shoe shining yes. works. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Like, would... ju- in real life, I would assume that's how it works and how it should work for Andy, although I think Kirk brings up a good point that the way Chris orders him around makes it seem as though this is a government shoeshine job. Yeah, Andy it... is either, in reality, probably a purely private contractor or, uh, you know, works for some public-private partnership that is contracting with the city. To Do you set up a public-private <laughs> partnership to handle shoe-shining <laughs> responsibilities I, at yeah, City Hall? I, I would lean I mean, towards the first. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm starting to see where their budget went wrong. Yes, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's rough. Um, so Leslie finds Ben right before he's about to go see her mom, and tells him that it's her mom right as he's about to walk in the door and then spills his coffee all over him. And we learned something very important about Ben, which is apparently he drinks his coffee very cold because he doesn't get burned (laughs) when a significant amount of coffee splashes across his chest. Right. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then he just sort of crumbles in front of Leslie's mom. and uh, I've done that. Yeah. Agrees that she can have what she wants, only to be like, ah, oh, no, actually, that's not possible. Yeah, I, I, I have done this in front of a potential significant other's parents before. It's great. It's great. It's, it's de- deeply, uh, you know, you feel great about yourself after. I always you gave them the school buses? Uh, okay. The details were slightly different, but the spirit was the same. Fair enough. And... I'm, go ahead, go ahead. I was just to say... I like Karkum excellent with parents, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chris has bought Ron a circular desk yes. so he can swivel to deal with each employee as they interact with him, which literally would be my hell. I, like, I think for all of us. How is Ron supposed to get in and out of this desk? Right. Like, does, it, does it open in some way, or is he supposed to, you know, climb over it like a five-year-old the way Chris did every single time he wants to sit down at his desk? It's also not a good idea for the head of the office to have to respond to everything that's going on and all of the people that walk in the door. Like, if you were going to have a desk like that, your receptionist should be the person forced to deal with that hell, not the person in charge of the office. Like, how would he ever get any work done if he did work? Well, I mean, Captain Kirk's chair is in the middle of the bridge, so he can swivel around and deal with everybody. So Yeah. I think there's some, le- some leadership positions, like in the military, that might require that. Maybe not the Parks Department in a small city. But as we've been over in this episode, Donna is not Sulu and is not going to fly this spaceship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was right there. I have a note on Donna in a minute. But um, I'm mostly excited because... The memes of Ron just circling around to avoid talking to that woman are one of my favorites, and I'm very excited that we can now use them because we've gotten to this point. In are the we show. like putting a spoiler cap on memes that we share on the Facebook page? Because no, I don't think we've been holding to that. We There's have a circular been, desk spoiler. I I do try it. Like if it involves characters that we haven't met yet, I don't really put it on. Like I try and. And that circular desk is a character. And I I recognize we haven't been using any memes of Jerry in the later seasons after he loses the eye. Right, exactly. But we talked about that, and that was like an exception. Um, 
Yeah, I, I find it hard enough to work in a cubicle, which I currently do now, where people can access me and I don't have a door. It's it's this this just I think for all three of us would be the end of the world. I would quit and move find a different job. So I don't have an office office like my desk is separated from the front office uh, by a wall that goes about eighty percent of the way up, but like I can still hear on the other side, and I share the space with our comms director. That can be tough sometimes, but this would be unlivable, just completely. Yeah. Like, there's not even a wall to contain sound. Ron can't have a phone conversation with any privacy at this right. desk. Right. I, I spend seventy five percent of my day wandering around a parking lot talking on the phone. Well, if you could find your car, Jacob, <laughs> if you just write it down when you parked, you wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We no. talked about that. Yeah. No. I, it's it's right where it always is, right in the airport parking lot. Excuse me. Iowa specific joke. Yeah. I uh, I have a nice office. It has a door. It has three windows. It it has a couch and a china cabinet. Not even kidding. Well, look who sold out to big public defender. <laughs> yep. Bring it. Um. Are you on the fourth floor with a small claims court drug <laughs> test I'm and not. divorce filings? I'm not. However, I am in a social services building, so that is probably what is on the fourth floor of my building. Is it somehow both freezing and humid? <laughs> I can't even, like, begin to imagine what that would feel like. Maybe the way it is outside right now, actually. It, 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 or it would be a blizzard, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, when it is snowing, it's 100% humidity. I guess. Um, Ethel Beavers. Uh, is yeah, this the first time we've met her? I think so. I wrote down first appearance, but then I put a question mark because I wasn't entirely sure. But I think this is the first time we meet Ethel. I feel like she's going somewhere. She's not going to be stuck on the fourth floor forever. I hope so. Try not to move things around because technically this is still a crime scene. <laughs> Speaking of Big Public Defender, that technology looks real familiar. That's <laughs> all I'll say. I'd say, you know, I don't always agree with Tom on this show. Like, we've talked about how his character has been kind of problematic, but I'm with him on name tags with little sticky pins. Right. No yeah, way. Yeah, You're yeah. not putting a hole in my clothes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like the clippy ones. Or like a sticker. Stickers aren't great because no. like men's suits are kind of scotch guarded. Mm. So the, the so the adhesive doesn't really cling to the suit, so they inevitably fall off. Gotcha. I I, I yeah, I oof, I cannot get a sticker to stay on at a fundraiser for anything. And yep. I just hate wearing name tags to begin with. So an ineffective name tag is doubly frustrating. <laughs> Yep. I have a label maker. I'll make you several like permanent name tags that you can just wear around. Great, 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 great. What if we got him a necklace with little, Ooh, uh, you know, beads? Like beads that said Jacob? Or, or yeah, beads or charms that that, that spell his name. I love bees? it. Beads, b e a d s, not bees. Not what you use to Bzz. pollinate the cornfields in Iowa. <laughs> um. What are we talking about? Right. Le- Leslie's mom now wants 10 school buses. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and then Leslie has a great idea of going to Belize and going scuba diving. I love Belize. Belize is awesome. That's a great idea. They should totally do that. I mean, yeah. You should okay. always, if your choices are do something or go to Belize, you yeah. should definitely go to Belize. 
Um, I will say that Leslie making that mix CD for Ben with only five Sarah McLachlan songs, one, <laughs> is like a very specific era in time that I think people made mixed CDs, like where you could, it was easy to get whatever song that you needed and put it on a CD, and so you would make a lot for your friends or your significant others. I just feel like it just, there's this little like, six-year period where that was incredibly popular that this hits right at the end at um also that's how i make mixed cds it's songs that i like and not necessarily songs that the other person would like which wait have you made a mixtape or mix cd oh in college i made carter a bunch he (laughs) did not like them because (laughs) they were all songs i liked and he was like these are 12 girly songs that I will never listen to and you just put them on different like in a different order and make me a new CD anyway it's it's not something I'm particularly proud of I just hate the thought of Ben driving around with this mix CD getting guilt tripped over dogs that need to be adopted the entire time he's listening to it <laughs> fly away home from here it's just gonna be songs from TV shows that make Katie feel things <laughs> Also, the end of season two, Buffy just on a loop. I made my friend Ferguson a mix CD once uh, of songs that are referenced or included in uh, Arrested Development. Wow! Um, and interspersed with like uh, quotes from the show, which is a lot of fun. That's yeah. You know, downtown, which is a great song. It's a lot of um, a lot of work that went into that. Yes, big yellow joint. That's another good song. <laughs> Leslie's mom thinks Ben is a goofy, spineless jellyfish. Oh, he's not Paul Ryan. <laughs> wow, nice. I did not even think about that. They do both have kind of a reveal. widow's peak, though. Yeah. But no, Ben Wyatt is no Paul Ryan. Yeah, I had Marco Rubio written down. <laughs> Look, we got to get the, the Paul Ryan jokes out of our system. I know, yeah. We have a lot of time left with him. Marco's going to still be around. To- yeah. If you can find him. (laughs) Quote Bible verses or whatever it is. Well, to express grave concerns about what's Mm -hmm. happening. So Um. so April has apparently been given a desk with a laptop on it that she can roll around like a scooter, which seems wildly inefficient and completely unnecessary in an office that is maybe like a hundred square feet. And they could use that money for a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean maybe they could pay two people to be shoe shiners right in the lobby of the, of the city hall uh and then we get the the great scene of this woman coming in trying to talk to ron about how she made some tea with the water and has an infection and she's yeah. just chasing him around the circle desk she didn't seem like she was ill no yeah she seems she fine seemed, she seemed pretty spry which i yeah. think is the word you use um yeah non-potable water make some tea out of it she, she she didn't actually reference the time frame she could have recovered fully from the infection and be now here to deal with now the, she's in the litigation oh, phase look yes. jacob wants to be the city nurse now Ooh. or or the city litigator <laughs> what same job it's fine uh one of those is deeply underpaid <laughs> Uh, I like Leslie pretending to be her mother as she and Ben practice the confrontation. I want to discuss the new school bus. Now you're rhyming, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) 
um is the sound in dumb and now you've crossed your legs like a woman (laughs) yeah it's uh it's pretty good um I don't. I can't remember the name of the actress who plays Leslie's mom, but she and uh, Amy Poehler do a good job of kind of playing off of each other. I, I really like her. She's been in a bunch of things. She was the mom in Jericho, and and she's you know a character actress who's in a lot of stuff. There was this TV show on HBO. I think I mentioned this back when we first encountered this character called Tanner Eighty Eight. It was a fake documentary about a guy named. I think John Tanner, who was running for the Democratic nomination for president in 1988, and she plays the extremely foul-mouthed and irritable campaign manager on that show, Ooh. which is fantastic. It's like eight episodes. They actually filmed it in and around the 1988 primary, so the episodes just kind of came out randomly over the course of the year, but so they interact with all the real candidates as well, so it's great. Rob Lowe's appearance in that is a little different than his appearance here. Yes. As previously discussed. Deep cut! Um, I'm with April. I want to work on the fourth floor with the guy who comes in and smashes the <laughs> coffee pot against the wall. Tell her it's her turn. <laughs> or her move. Her move. Right. Like, I definitely want to work up there. That seems okay. awesome. So they're going to scan thousands upon thousands of pages of documents with a single sheet flatbed scanner yeah yeah like, that is what? not how you do this they couldn't get one of the giant xerox machines that also scans to create pdfs and just run things through there so i don't know if you remember kurt but in season two of buffy the vampire slayer two i think season two they have to digitize the entire library that is made up only of vampire books and they have like yes. a wand scanner and so they are yeah which page wouldn't by work page. at all I'm pretty sure we first see that in season one where Willow falls in love with the robot. Is that season one? Yeah, I couldn't remember. That's definitely the episode I'm thinking of. I just couldn't remember which season it was. The very accurate uh, presentation of how online services worked back in the 1990s. I I mean, that and the net, they just, they came true. (laughs) Can you imagine if computers actually made little sounds Every time you did something like they do on the net and other TV shows in the 1990s, you would you would go crazy. Right. You would just yeah, like every time you click on a button, it's like some weird sound. It's like ugh. I can't stand for for years. Apple let the default on texting be that it it made sounds every time somebody hit a, a key on their keyboard, and you had to turn that off. Yeah, like. That person needs to be brought up for war crimes. No, there was a reason that they did that because they were trying to get people accustomed to using a glass slab as a keyboard and previous little keys on phones for for things like that actually were clicky little plastic bits. So it was sort of a transitional thing, which they yeah, but the legitimate plastic didn't bother me. I loved my Blackberry and like I, I that never bothered me. It's just the fake one from a phone was so weird. It's still better than the first touchscreen Blackberries that both made that sound and they used a little thing inside the phone to like shake the phone just a little bit every time you typed. Oh. Yeah. To yeah, make it feel like you were pressing that. on a key. Yeah. The Blackberry Torch, not a successful device. No. Blackberry, not a successful company. <laughs> oh, Blackberry. Yes. So, 
Donna approaches Ron and he tries to swivel away from her. And the way that she <laughs> speaks to Ron made me suddenly go, do you think Donna is secretly in charge of the parks department? I don't secretly. think it's even a secret. <laughs> that like, she sits there at her desk. We don't know what her actual job is supposed to be. Maybe she is truly in charge and Ron and Leslie are just there for show. I mean, whether she has the hard power secretly or not, it's it's like how Sue is in charge. Wait, Sue from what? My brain just, I went to yeah, the middle what? and I was like, this the- can't be... Right. Oh, right. yes. Right, right. Yes. Right, like the, the, the kind of all-star in the office who everybody just instinctively respects. I thought well, that was the comms director on Veep. Season season two Donna or season two Sue that 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 season two Donna on season one Donna isn't a person right right yes so uh, go did, ahead first of all that keyboard that Donna had you know had two <laughs> two complete keyboard. right angles <laughs> right. she's down to one word a minute and that word is flippity gibbet. but even beyond that the next scene marlene's office is a lot nicer than it was in season one like yeah she is like a very well appointed and powerful looking mahogany yes paneled office in this episode yeah Yeah, the matching set there yeah what was her title again she's like this the school superintendent, right? Something like that. She's very high up in the school board or yeah. in the school district. Yeah. <laughs> Better funded school district than most of the ones I've been around. Yeah. Um, and so Ben goes in to be, uh, to do all the things that they've talked about in terms of getting or not letting Leslie's mom get her way, which of course makes Leslie's mom then too into Ben. Which yes. Leslie can't see, but but Ben notices right away. Right, right. Kind of hard not to notice that one. It wasn't particularly hard. Yeah, her hand was pretty far up on his thigh there, from what I could see. <laughs> on the fourth floor, Chris is having a heartfelt discussion with a random woman who he saw crying on a bench, so he sat down to help her. Let your brain unlock the door to your heart's future. Yes, you like. I don't even know that they scripted that scene. They just let Rob Glow do what he wanted to do. I think that's a lot of Chris Drake. <laughs> so Tom says, I don't know if this gig is in my wheelhouse. I tend to work best with young, attractive people. Um, right. Yeah. His current office? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This jumps ahead a, a little bit, but um, when uh, Ron is saying that Tom works best when he... Uh, has someone to impress? Who is he regularly trying to impress at Leslie. his normal job? Leslie? He shares an office with Leslie. I don't think he's trying to impress Leslie, though. Maybe Anne. She does hang out in the park. I guess that's true. Anne is there a lot. Um, I also like that the older women start to troll Tom. And just love Andy and April. Right. Yeah, when when Tom asks Ethel to hand him that file, and she just tosses it on the floor. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Ethel Ethel is everyone's favorite cat. <laughs> oh. Then yeah. we see uh, Ron at his desk, looking out upon his domain as he swivels. Jerry 
talking to people about the porks department. <laughs> Donna yeah. trying to figure out how to type and decides that something must be done. Right. Do you guys like those ergonomical keyboards? No. The like weird split nonsense? No. Nope. Because I, I type a little weirdly. So I didn't know if two-handed people did, because I can't use them. Yeah, no. no. I need like I I am sure those special keyboards are better for your hands or wrists and if you learn how to type on them i bet it's better but i learned how to type on like a crappy ibm like desktop sticky bear typing so i need it to be in exactly that rectangle it's just you didn't learn from mavis beacon no she teaches typing (laughs) um i I actually i type when i type i use my forefinger to hit keys that I'm supposed to hit with the other hand. So whenever I get one of those split keyboard things, I constantly miss keys because I'm trying to hit them with the wrong finger. Yeah. So, no, I can't use those. Yeah, yeah. The one-handed typing does not go well with those. Um, so Ron <laughs> goes to Chris and turns out is actually very perceptive about how his employees function best and points out how Chris's new plan has sort of undermined all of that. Because April hates everyone. Yes. And Jerry can only function if no one is looking. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie Mystery Men? Where there's the superhero who is invisible, but only when no one is looking. <laughs> I did see that movie. It's, a, it's actually a really good movie. <laughs> uh, or at least it was 20 years ago when I saw it. Yeah, it's been no a promises. long time since I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, Janine Garofalo was one of the young characters in the movie. Oh. Um, Time so sucks. Leslie, not realizing what's going on, has made her mom a McSteamy music box and wants Ben to uh, give it to her, which Ben then has to explain to Leslie that her mom seems to be into him. And then they go running off to her office and... Which it, was like two doors away. Right. Like, <laughs> so like, was he just hanging out in the anteroom to the well, anteroom of her office this entire time? Unless... Are we supposed to think that her office is somehow in City Hall? In which case, it is ridiculous that none of these people would have interacted and he could have been here for months and months and months and never come into contact with this woman who is related to the staff person he works most directly with. Oh, I I fully believe that. I mean, I worked in the Alexandria City Hall briefly several years ago and, like... For worked there for a few months, and I maybe knew two other people in the building, one of whom was Carter, who I shared an office with. Yeah, what most makes me think this is not the same building, though, is that uh, why wouldn't Chris have an office kind of like Marlene's if this is the office assigned to her? Like, did she somehow win this office from the previous city manager in a poker game or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Much like everything with Leslie's mom, she's sort of thrown in there to be whatever the current episode plot requires of her and not always fit with, you know, her last appearance or anything like that. But it's she, like the city of Pawnee itself, evolves to fit whatever the plot needs. Right. And uh, Ben marches in and just sort of lays it all out for Marlene, presuming that she wouldn't possibly rat them out because she doesn't want Leslie to get fired, and then storms out. 
And Leslie and her yeah. mom have a nice moment. Yeah. And I, I like the way that they, like, sort of mimic each other's, like, I don't know. Earlier in the episode, they make the same, like, head tilt face. And I, they do a good job of sort of doing some things that show you that, like, these people are related. They have a history, even though we don't see her very often. Leslie wouldn't get fired, though, right? It would be Ben. Uh, Who knows? I mean, who who knows? knows? Right? We we Um, have no way of telling because it hasn't. No one's found out. Fair enough. We'll get there. So Tom is miserable working on the fourth floor and Andy is basically his foil. Who's like a year ago. I lived in a pit. This is great. Now I have a job and a wife. Yeah. Andy with like wisdom and perspective and knowledge about, you know, physics. Right. Good episode for Andy. Right. It really is. Um, but Tom uploads his resume to start looking for other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot he left the, uh, show next episode. (laughs) That's it. We never see him again. Recruiter. Where eighty percent of qualified applicant, or damn it, where employers find a qualified applicant eighty percent of the time within a day, or whatever the hell the script is supposed to be. Damn it! Now they're never going to come advertise on our show, Jacob. <laughs> zip recruiter, a better way to zip. Um. Also, so the compromise that Ron and Chris appear to come to is that all the changes go away except for one week. Ron has to sit at the circle desk, which doesn't appear to be much of a compromise. Like, I don't know what Chris Traeger got out of, like, five extra days of Ron sitting at the circle desk. Uh, You know, maybe the compromise was actually that Ron would give it a a week to see if the circle desk works, but he knows the other things don't, so let's make the staff, or let the staff go back to what they were good at. And then at the end of that week, Ron's going to say, this doesn't fucking work, I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) Does the poll come back? We'll have to look. He loved that post. (laughs) I feel like it does. I feel like everything goes back to exactly the way it looked before. Why was there this giant non-load-bearing post in the middle of the office anyways? Yeah, if that post didn't need to be there. Or or if they just made the building less earthquake-safe. Yeah, yeah. And given the way that the size of the city of Pawnee rapidly expands and shrinks from week to week, they pu- they got to be putting a lot of weird pressures on the tectonic plates in Indiana. So <laughs> they should be as earthquake right. safe as possible. Agreed. It's uh, like, agreed. It's like, I don't know what to do. I have this city on top of me, and every week it's like a billion tons of concrete <laughs> is either there or not there, depending on the plot. Um, and so... After the credits, or, I don't know, right during the ending credits, Andy goes to talk to the new shoeshine guy and show him how to do it. And it's a very, like, Tom Sawyer fence post moment where Andy winds up doing all the work and then paying the guy. I don't know. I thought it was not, it was just kind of stupid. But But at the same time, walking away, feeling like he just hazed that guy. Right, right. We had this, like, really great episode for Andy, and it felt like they still needed to be like, he's a doofus, like, at the end, for some reason. Oh, Andy. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say, did this just 
This is the penultimate episode of the season, and, like, we don't need to get into spoilers at all, but, like, it's just, it's a bit of a weird episode for a penultimate episode of a season that, like, they thought might be the last episode, the last season of the show. Like, that, I mean, I don't think it's a major spoiler to say next week's episode is written with a sense that it could be the final episode of the series, not the first or last time they do that. I think every time from now on, actually, they never really know that they're going to be renewed when they write the last episode. And yeah, so this just, this episode, I don't think it's bad, it's just, it's a very odd episode to come where it comes and is very disconnected other than a little bit of the... Uh, Leslie Ben stuff from kind of larger plot, which you would think kind of at right at the end of the season here, it would be. This just feels more like episode five or six of a season and not coming right at the end. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I forgot that this was a shorter season and a lot of the things that I thought happened in this season, I guess, happened in season four. Um, and so, yeah, this season kind of does not feel like it's complete or that it really had like a completed arc that we're going through. I guess because it's truncated and it, that is what it is. But I almost wonder if the season got, if they figured out that the season got cut with time to only alter it for one more because the end kind of comes out of nowhere. I mean, that that happens with shows sometimes, right? It fairly famously happened with, like, the last season of Angel and some other things where the end just comes very abruptly. I almost wonder if they they didn't know that the season itself was going to be shorter until after this episode was done. Yeah. I maybe. don't know. Like, I actually think this feels like a fine setup to the next episode and well in line with the episodes that came before it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we can. It's not, it's not a great episode, but it is a lot of uh, it's a lot of filler and sort of positioning chairs on the deck, you know, and really stressing, stressing, stressing um, the uh, the 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 policy of Chris's right. regarding you know yeah inter office romances. So. Yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely putting the stones in in place for the hammer, but. Um... I guess I guess that makes sense. Well, and we can when we watch next week's episode, perhaps we will have more complete thoughts about the I season. I think next week's episode is gonna be entirely about the triumphant return of our favorite recurring character, and I'm just gonna be so happy to get to have little Sebastian on screen that <laughs> You're not gonna be I'm able not to, be play able to attention. pay attention to anything else. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't get it. I just I don't. It's a little horror. It's amazing. He's so amazing. He's just smaller. Like, we don't all love Tom all the time, and he's just a mini person. Some people like Tom all the time. Tom likes Tom all the time. No, he definitely does not. (laughs) There's a lot of self-loathing in there. Kind of the root of the character. Um, Well, you can write to us... um, at our email address, icetownclowns at gmail.com. If you have thoughts about season three and whether it is just long enough or feels truncated, you can go to our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash icetownclowns. Um, you, I don't know why I started the entire Facebook web address that way, but 
I did. You can tweet at us at Icetown Clown Pod, or you can go to our website at icetownclowns.com to download the episodes. So as we just said a minute ago, next week, we're coming back for the season finale of season three, Lil Sebastian. Check that out on Amazon or Netflix or wherever you watch TV online, legally and paid for. And then come back here in two weeks. We're going to review the episode. And while you're out there on the internet watching it, please give us a review at the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Icetown Clowns, a podcast about parks and recreation that we are at the end of. And that end is now. I'm sorry, ZipRecruiter. Please send us money. Let your brain unlock your door to your heart's future.